you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. Welcome to Move the Sticks presented by New Era. DJ and Bucky here. And Buck, we've got a, a unique episode today. We've had fun off-season going through our position prototype series. Uh, we've got college football getting ready to crank up too, though. We thought it would be uh, fun to take a quick quick trip across town. As a hole across the 20, gone. He's at the 40. He'll go all the way. 103 yards, Adore Jackson. Touchdown, USC. Here's Darnold rolling out of the pocket. Fires. Caught by Burnett. Touchdown, SC. Darnold winds, fakes, throws. Touchdown, Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju Smith-Schuster, how do you do? I think what has been fascinating offline. We've talked a lot about team building and how uh, coaches and organizations kind of build their their team. So to be able to go down the block, to go to USC, talk to Clay Hilton and his staff about how they're planning on rebuilding the Trojans, trying to get them to bounce back from a disappointing five and seven year in 2018 to potentially being a team that vies for the title in the Pac-12. I know some people might listen right now and say, look, I don't, I don't care for USC. I'm not a USC fan. What, what, why am I listening to this? Let me give you some ideas here why you should stick around. Because you're going to get a chance to talk to Graham Harrell, 
who, if you're an NFL fan, one of the big storylines is going to be Kyler Murray and how Kyler Murray plays this year in Cliff Kingsbury's offense. What does that offense look like? Well, Graham Harrell played in that same exact offense and coaches that exact same offense. So somebody that's played quarterback, uh, somebody that's coached in that scheme, you're going to get a good feel for what that scheme looks like, what that Arizona Cardinals offense uh, might look like. So a great conversation with him, uh, not only on what he's doing, what the Cardinals offense could be doing, but really what the future of the passing game could look like in the NFL. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fascinating discussion. Everyone is intrigued by the air raid uh, we've seen guys come out of that system now and have success. The last couple guys have had a lot of success. Jerry Goff being one, Pat Mahomes being another. We've seen Baker Mayfield come in and have success. And with everyone talking about Lincoln Riley and what Lincoln Riley could do if he gets an opportunity in the league, it's a great opportunity to have a conversation with someone who really knows that system like no other. Also going to get a chance to talk with uh, somebody you had a hand in scouting and drafting and Kerry Colbert, who's the receivers coach uh, there at USC. Fun conversation with him. Uh, somebody that's worked for Nick Saban, yes. coach in the SEC, played at USC, uh, one, was on great guys. teams, national champion there at USC. So uh, comparing the, the cultures between a Pete Carroll and a Nick Saban, fascinating conversation uh, with Kerry Colbert. And then Coach Clay Helton, uh, somebody who his first two years as a head coach, uh, Pac-12 champion, Rose Bowl champion last year, uh, didn't go well. Sam Darnold was not there. You saw this team take a big step backward. A lot of pressure on Coach Helton. And we have a chance to talk with him about culture and how do you build a sustaining culture at a superpower like USC. Uh, so it was great to catch up with Coach Helton as well. Yeah, great to catch up, man. I, I, I just think it's a fascinating opportunity with all the tradition that goes with SC and we obviously being close to it out here on the West Coast. We've seen it at its height. We've seen it kind of fall back. Let's see if they can get it back again to have conversation with these guys while they're dealing with it on the ground floor. It's fascinating to see how it's going to play out down the road. All right, let's get this thing started. Here's our conversation with one of the bright young minds in college football right now. Graham Harrell is a rising star, offensive coordinator here at USC. Uh, here's our conversation. All right, Buck, excited to be joined by our next guest. That's USC offensive coordinator Graham Harrell. Graham, first of all, how's it been uh, settling into the California life out here for you? It's been good. You know, we have uh, the sun's out, no clouds in the sky, and, and but it's not the same heat that I'm used to from Texas. You know, no humidity. So uh, so that part I can't complain. And the sun sets over the ocean every night in my backyard, so that that's nice too. But... Um, you know, USC has been awesome. It's a great place to work. We have, you know, a lot of special players. So it's it's been a fun transition. And uh, there's some things that take getting used to, like the traffic and stuff like that no, in California. You're, but, get, you're not going to get used to that. But, no, it's been, it's been a good transition for, for me and the family. Oh, well, in, in talking about you jump into a situation that has always been loaded with skilled players. And so you have an opportunity to put in an offense that really highlights what those skilled players can do on the perimeter. What's that transition been like to kind of jump into a place that really hasn't been known for throwing the ball all over the yard to the degree that you may want to do it? All right now, that part's been real fun. You know, I thought <laughs> spring ball, um, you know, I think the guys, one, I was surprised how quickly they picked it up, but also you're just dealing with a different athlete at SC. And, and um, so, so if we can just get the ball in those guys' hands, uh, they're pretty special with it. So so that was fun. You were able to, like I said, because they were able to pick it up pretty quickly, you kind of get able to get creative with ways to give them the football. And uh, and like I said, they're special once the ball's in their hand. And so uh, they made my job a lot more fun, a lot easier this spring. And hopefully this fall we can we can continue that success. Haven't been wildly successful at the, at the quarterback position. Who are some of your influences that have influenced the offense you get to install and you get to put in uh, over your time in football? 
you know, I've had a lot of people, and I've been fortunate to play for a lot of great players or play with a lot of great players and, and for a lot of good coaches. But, um, you know, the growing up, my only quarterback coach was my dad. He was also my high school coach. And so obviously he he has a he had a whole huge impact on me and uh, in, in my playing career and life. But he also, uh, you know, a lot of the drills I do with my quarterbacks are still drills that I did with him just, you know, growing up. Because, <laughs> you know, my theory was that it, I thought it helped me become a better quarterback. So, um Hopefully it helps the other guys too. But then, you know, as I moved on playing for Coach Leach, and, and um, he's not necessarily a drill guy or technician guy, but uh, just the way he approaches the game, his philosophy, especially in dealing with quarterbacks, uh, you know, I think you can take a lot from him. And then my time with Green Bay, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, all those guys are good. You know, Coach McCarthy, uh, I thought did a great job. There was Tom Clements was there, Ben McAdoo, and then Aaron. Just getting to watch him and kind of see the way he handles himself and the way he approaches the game and how, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing from there, and, and it was all those guys, including Aaron, those coaches and Aaron, was just how detailed they were with footwork and stuff. And, and um, I'm probably not quite as anal as they were about it up there, uh, but but it did show you just how much that matters, you know what I mean? And we were gonna we were gonna work a route until Aaron's feet timed up perfectly with that route. You know what I mean? And and we were gonna adjust the footwork or adjust the route or do whatever it took. But but you really got to see how important the small things were and that timing and stuff like that, especially as uh the better the the higher the level, uh the better the players out there, that timing and those small things really do matter. And so I think from Green Bay that was probably what I took the most. So in, in reading about you and reading about uh your version of offense versus what you may have played in, particularly in Green Bay. Uh, so much is made about young guys trying to figure out all the verbiage in an NFL playbook. Uh, based on your experience in, in playing in a system that has a lot of words and verbiage and those things, how can you simplify the game? Do you think it's necessary to have all of that stuff to be able to get play calls in and to really run an effective offense? I obviously don't, but <laughs> <laughs> some people do, and that's you know that's part of football. But um, you know our philosophy is kind of if, if the play is more than four words, you need to we need to rename it. You know, I mean, we don't want to ever have to call more than four words or signal more than four signals because now, um, again, I think you're just slowing your guys down and you're slowing down your your, your entire offense. But um, if we recruited a guy to be fast, why are we going to sit there and make him think, what did they say that I have? And then he's hesitant. He's not playing fast. You know, if we recruited him to be fast, let him play fast. And so we try to make it as simple as possible so that those guys can just go out there and run and, and, and use the their natural talents, especially at a place like this. When you have, as, have guys as talented as we have, um, you know, I think our job more than anything is just to get out of the way, you know, get them all going in the same direction and then get out of the way and let them play. And uh, so that's what we try to do. And, again, if, if you know, from Green Bay you have, I don't know, paragraphs that felt like calling a play and then yeah. hear uh, what we're going to do again. If it's more than about four words, then we try to rename it or simplify it to the point where uh, we can get it under four. So, again, we can just get it rolling and simplify it. As a young coach, what's something you're looking to get better at? Um, you know, I obviously have a lot of room to grow and, and – uh, you know, at Green, I mean, at, at North Texas, where I was, you know, one thing that I think that I learned, especially as calling plays for the first time, was, you know, when I, my first year there, I always wanted to call plays that, that I liked when I played, you know, and it's not <laughs> about what, what plays I like to run anymore. I got to figure out what my guys like to run, you know, and, and um, I think that was some place, that was one place that I really grew at North Texas from year one to year two was, you know, I went from always calling the plays that I was comfortable running and my quarterback didn't necessarily like them, and so they didn't work. And I'm like, man, this is the best play ever. Why is it not working, you know? And it's like, well, I like it, but he doesn't like it. And so um, just kind of figuring out what fits what fits your my team and, and our guys the best. And I think that's where, um, 
here we'll probably all have to go together to just kind of figure out who we are as a team and who we are as an offense. And it's not going to look exactly like what it looked like at North Texas or, or any other place that I've ever been uh, because we, we have different guys with different players with different skill sets. And so we got we to gotta figure out what fits us and, and how we can be successful. So in listening to you talk, I, I believe the, the theme that comes across is the connection between coaches and players. How do you build that connection when, from a communication standpoint when you do have to kind of see the game through the quarterback's eyes as opposed to just through your eyes? You know, I think that obviously building relationships is huge, and that's, I mean, it doesn't matter what job you're in, that's probably the most important thing you do is, is um, have relationships, and that's in recruiting, and I think that's also once they get on campus. Uh, you know, we came in, a lot of new faces on offense this spring, and uh, early on we told them that, you know, we're going to hold them accountable, and we're going to hold them to a high standard. Uh, and I think to do that, they have to know you care about them, so you have to build that relationship, and that can only come with time and, and being around each other. And I think spring ball was a big time for that because early on when we first met with them, we kind of tried to have these conversations that, hey, uh, there's going to be a standard. We're going to hold you to that standard. There's going to be consequences if you don't meet that standard. And, and um, before spring ball started especially, I think we had a lot of pushback to that. you know. And, and then um, as they got around us more and we were able to spend more time with them, uh, I think they saw that, hey, these guys really care about us and want what's best for us, and that's why they're holding us accountable to these standards or whatever the case may be. And, uh, and so that really helped. And I think obviously in playing, in a quarterback-coach relationship, in any, in any deal, you just got to – I mean, time and trust is, is the only way that you can kind of build that. And, and um, it takes time. Obviously, we have to try to speed that up as much as we can because in this business it's about producing. So, so we tried to – you know, we try to spend as much time with them as we can. Uh, even in times where we can't work with them directly on the field, if they can only be in the weight room, go try to be in the weight room as much as you can. Let them see your face. Let them be around you. Encourage them um, so that, again, they do know you care about them, so they feel a lot more comfortable telling you, Coach, that, you may think that's a good play, but I don't like it. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and if we're not executing at a high level, it's probably not a good play for us. You know, just because it's not – you know, it could be a good play for some teams, and it's, it may not be a good play for us if we can't execute it. And, and that communication is going to be big. And again, I think the, the best way to, to foster that relationship is just spend as much time around them as possible so they get comfortable enough to share with you. We enjoy the team building aspect of it. We see it you know, when we're looking at college teams, when we're looking at NFL teams. Culture is a word that gets thrown around. And this place, the foundation at USC, with all the success they've had here, competition is the word you hear over and over again. How do you balance the competition aspect of it while everybody's also you know, pulling in the same direction as a unit, as a team? Yeah, that part can be tough. <laughs> I think especially from a, an offensive defensive standpoint, you know, because like you said, um, this plays, I mean, not only because of the success it's had, but because the kids or the, or the players that are on your team are highly competitive guys. And, and so you go out there and practice and they're, you know, they're trying to kill each other just because they don't want to lose in anything. You know, like Almond Raw, St. Brown, he gets pissed off if he's losing in like warm-up sprints in strength and conditioning. It's like, <laughs> raw, man, we're just getting loose. You know, like... <laughs> No one else is racing. You're the only one racing right now. But but that's just the kind of competitive kids you get. And so, um, especially with spring ball and, and fall camp where you're only getting against each other every now and then, at times I almost feel like you hate each other or the guys, they leave the field hating the other side of the ball. And you got to try to rally them back in and understand, hey, we're all pulling this rope in the same direction. We got to be on the same, on the same, on the same, you know, wavelength to make sure that um, – we can go win football games because we're going to need them and they're going to need us offensively and defensively. And so I think that just has to be a constant message. And I think that that's what building culture, building a team uh, as a as a coaching staff, the, the biggest thing that we can do is just have constant messaging. Just don't don't change the messaging. 
and then, you know, live by what we say we're going to do. You know what I mean? And so, you know, offensively, something we say we're going to be selfless, tough, and disciplined. And I think that every meeting I have, I try to hit on those things. And, and everything that we talk about has to fall under selfless, tough, and disciplined. You know what I mean? Like a pre-snap penalty, that's undisciplined. Or whatever it is, uh, you know, if there's a scenario that comes up on the field, good or bad, I think we can teach within those three things, being selfless, tough, and disciplined. You know, chasing the ball, throwing a big block, that's being selfless. You know, um, being lazy, taking a cheap shot after the play, that's selfish. You know, and so we can, we can fit almost everything that happens in those three categories. So as long as the messaging is the same and then we hold them to those standards, that's the other thing. If we just say that and then we're undisciplined don't, and don't do anything about it, well, you're not building the culture, you're just talking. You know what I mean? And so I think as a, as a coaching staff, that's, that's the best way or the – the only way we can truly build a culture is if we, if we preach the same thing every day, and then we we live by those stand, you know, we hold them to those standards, or hold them to those concepts, whatever it is. So your resume is obviously glowing. You had an opportunity to win a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. You briefly talked about uh, the impact that Coach McCarthy and some of the other coaches had on you. But in thinking about that journey and being able to be a, a world champion, what are some of the lessons that you can take from your time in Green Bay? and kind of share with the Trojans to help them get to the next level? Uh, kind of on that same thing that we were just talking about, uh, probably one thing that, that, that happened at Green Bay or, or that you can see my first year there, we, came, we went to the playoffs as a sixth seed. You know what I mean? We barely got in. I think we had to win the last four or five games to even make the playoffs. Well, we get in, we get hot, we run the table, and we win them all. You know, we won a Super Bowl. And, you know, if you look at it from the outside, that was probably the worst team by, by regular season standards. Um, but it was the best team as far as being a team, you know, being close. After we win that championship, the next few years, we go 15-1 and one the next year. We go in uh, as, a, as the number one team. But the further along in the season you got, you, you could feel kind of the team separating. You know what I mean? We, we weren't as tight as a team. We didn't have that culture that we just talked about. And we get beaten in our first playoff game. It was the second round. But, you know, we had a bye and then get beaten that first, our first playoff game. The next year we have a better record or a higher seed than we were the year we won the Super Bowl. But again, um, we had a lot of people kind of pulling the rope in their own direction. You know, and everyone wasn't on the same page. And, and I tell everyone, you know, we should have, we were a better team. We were more talented. If you, we should have won a Super Bowl those next two years if everyone would have been on the same page again, if everyone had bought into the message again, if we could have all put our egos aside and, and, and played as a team. But we didn't, you know what I mean? And I think that that's what, uh, at a place like USC, and that's something we've really tried to harp on was you're talented enough to go win games regardless. You know what I mean? But the, but the way you're going to win championships is if, if we can all pull the rope in the same direction. We can get on the same page as the defense. It's not about us versus them. It's about, yeah, we got to get better in practice competing against those guys. But as soon as practice is over, we're one team. And, and that was the difference between uh, probably, again, from the outside looking in, a lesser talented team, a 9-6 and six team that wins the Super Bowl. Uh, compared to a 15-1 team that got beat in the first round of the playoffs. And I think that was probably the biggest lesson I learned from my time in Green Bay as far as that side, you know, other than the – not from a quarterback standpoint, but from a team standpoint was that was it doesn't matter how good you are, how talented you are. If, if you're not a team, you're not going to win and, or not win at the highest level. Last question for me. I appreciate all your time today. But you can feel, we can feel your passion about what you do. What, if, if you say one thing, your favorite part – about your job, offensive coordinator here at University of Southern California. What's the favorite part about this job? Um, I, th I think probably working with the guys that I get to work with every day. Um, like I've mentioned, they're, they're really talented guys. And honestly, coming into Southern California, 
being a kid from Texas, coming into USC, and uh, you know, being at a, a little bit smaller school in North Texas, you know, one I'm thinking I'm coming to the end of the earth in California. You know, Texans <laughs> think California is an evil place out here, so I was a little worried about that. But also coming into USC, you're thinking about. Um, you're probably going to be dealing with the highest of the high recruits, five-star guys that have been baby their whole lives, probably dealing with really big egos. And I was shocked when I got here. Uh, just the, Obviously, you're going to have great players, but the kind of people we had. And, and I think that's a testament to the, to the guys that have been here. And, and just they recruit, they recruit on character as much as they're talented. They try to find talented guys that have great character, compete, love the game, love to work. And so being here... Uh, we have a ton of fun, and, and we're not like I said. We we we're gonna try to hold them to a high standard, but we want them to we want to have fun too. Like I said, if we're playing football, you play football because when you're a little kid, it was a fun game. So why change it now or at any level? You know, let's just go out there and have fun. So no matter where we go, we're gonna have a ton of fun, and, and or try to regardless of what's going on around us. Um, but to get to do it with the group of guys that we get to do it with, especially the the caliber of the character of the guys that we have, um, that's probably been my favorite part. And then again, working Coach Helton's a really, really good man. And so getting to work for a man that's, you know, that they gets it and understands it and wants you to have a life and, and uh, is truly a good man and cares about you and his guys, uh, it's, it's made the, the transition to Southern California even that much more fun. Well, that's fantastic. Thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Not a problem. Buck, you get a chance to, to visit with Graham Harrell. I, I, I didn't know him coming into this conversation, but, man, after spending some time with him, it's hard not to believe that this guy is going to be a head coach here in short order. Yeah, it's hard not to believe it because you, we know it's going to happen. We know that offensive guys, guys who are able to put up points, are going to get an opportunity to get a bite at Apple when it comes to being a head coach. With Graham Harrell, the success that he has had directing an offense, the success that he had as a player, and just being tied to this system, is if he's able to do it, on a big stage at USC and get this offense up and rolling with all the weapons that he has in place, a big job is going to come knocking because I think he has an opportunity to really show people how he's able to take their air raid to another level when given A-level players. The thing I love about him from a background standpoint, and I don't think people know this, but as scouts, a lot of times, uh, personnel department will send you out in the fall and say, hey guys, we, we're always looking for the next wave of coaches, whether it be you know position coaches, coordinators, or even potential head coaches down the line. And I think when you look at his background, having been with, with Aaron Rodgers and backed him up as a player and seen what greatness looks like at the quarterback position, and then also the fact he's a son of a coach. You as a son of a coach appreciate yep. it more than anybody, Buck. Um, there's something about those guys, coaches that uh, were raised in a coaching household. Something to be said for that. Yeah, something to absolutely be said for that because I do believe his uh, intelligence and overall awareness of the game, the team-building process, and how all of the pieces of the puzzle fit together comes from being in the house with the coach. And so he definitely is a guy that I'm keeping my eye on. I can't wait to see what he does with this offense because, look, privately he talked about having special players <laughs> at his disposal. I can't wait to see how he deploys those players on the chessboard. Absolutely. Uh, great conversation there with Graham Harrell. All right, next up, it's, uh, again, Buck, somebody you've known for a very long time. I had a chance to scout him as well. A really good player who's another one of these uh, bright young coaches that's got a, a great future and a really interesting background. Here's our conversation with USC wide receiver coach, Kerry Colbert. Hi, right, Buck. Excited for our next guest. I know you're extremely excited. I'm really excited. You guys really go excited. back a little bit here. Yeah, we do, we do go way, way back. Somewhere, somewhere in the repertoire, we have Kerry Colbert. Yes, sir. Is a wide receiver coach. You have so many titles on your business card. Wide receiver coach. Tight end coach, then to wide receiver. Yes, sir. Wide receivers. Back to the wideouts. More importantly, a second round pick of the Carolina Panthers when I was working the West Coast. So I could claim you yes. as one of my guys when you As you, came you should. In. As and you I, should. And I, and I did. Uh, how's everything going? How are you great, doing? great. Love uh, being back home at USC and 
had a great spring, excited for this season, and uh, excited to be sitting here with y'all. What's the message you give these guys when you get named as the wide receiver coach? Already on campus, you're coaching up the tight ends. What was your first message to the group? Uh, I mean, you know, there's already been a standard standard set from, uh, you know, previous years at USC. So really there's nothing that I need to say, but um, I'm definitely going to hold them to that standard just like it has been done in years past. And um, I was just excited to get, you know, in the room with those guys. They're great, talented bunch of guys. And uh, I'm excited to, to help them and watch them play. Okay, so now we can be real. It's just us. Okay. Like, so, so just now, us. So now that you've had an opportunity to get your hands on them, how tough was it in previous years to kind of look over at the other side of the field and see what they're doing? And now you get a chance to kind of put your mark and put your hands on them, yeah. considering some of the guys that you've had in the past. Well, I wouldn't say it was tough. Um, you know, they were, they were coached well in the past by T. Martin, uh, who had been here, been the receiver coach here and offense coordinator here for, for – uh, a number of years, um, and I had tight ends, so there's a pass game element in that position that you know that I was always excited about, and, and being able to kind of talk about routes in the pass game and stuff like that. So I was getting my fix per se, you know what I'm saying, from a pass perspective, and then I was also learning a whole bunch, you know, having to be involved uh, in the run game and stuff like that. And I, I learned a whole bunch, and I learned a bunch from T. Uh, being here as well. Like I said, he was a great wide receiver coach, great uh, offense coordinator, and great mind. So um, it was fun. Though. I, I always supported those guys in that room. And, you know, of course, I'm going to be tied to that room just as a former player here. But, um, you know, I'm excited to be in the room this year. I go back to, to scouting you back in those days alongside Buck and, and think about toughness and route running were the two words that came out when, when we were studying you, the things that jumped out about you. But if you're going to build and construct the perfect wide receiver, what goes into that mix? What's that ingredient look I think like? you said it. Toughness, uh, route running, uh, ability just to make plays on the ball at the end of the day. Um, you know, I've played with, uh, fortunate enough to play with Steve Smith in Carolina, who wasn't the tallest of guys, um, very fast, very tough. I played in uh, Detroit with Calvin Johnson, who was really, really tall, long, fast. And so I've, I say that to say I've played with guys with on both sides of the spectrum as far as measurables. But at the end of the day, both of those guys were tough. Both of those guys made plays on the ball. They were playmakers. And I think that's important, you know. And uh, that's the thing that I always kind of preach to our guys. We're not all going to be the same individually. But at the end of the day, you know, we have to make a play on the football when the ball's in the air. And thinking about receivers, if you could pick a trait, between these two traits, which one would you pick for your perfect wide receiver? Would it be athleticism mm -hmm. or route running ability? Man, um, that's a great question. Uh, athleticism uh, is a great trait to have, um, you know, because at the end of the day, you can run a pretty bad route. And if you can make a play on the ball athletically, whether it's because you can jump or because you're fast or something like that, I mean, I think that's something that that kind of goes unnoticed, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, but for me, tech, I mean, I was, I was probably more of a, a route running guy because, I mean, I had some athleticism to me, but um, I had to be a little more pre precise and, and try to create separation in other ways because I wasn't the biggest, fastest, tallest on any of the teams I've ever played on. But um, I'm trying to find those complete receivers anyway. Though. I know, but you know I, was, I, was about, man, I was about to throw you out of the room. If you're going to stick with the Come athleticism, on. after all the conversations I, that so, we've had, so you know when how, it comes to the craft, you see how I, say you, athleticism. I was like, you are see, you serious? But you see how I circled it back. Though. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I circled it back. Answer? I was like, <laughs> Come on. For 10 years, we've talked about wow. 
guys who could run routes, Route guys who were craftsmen. No doubt. And then you're going to give me that. I, I, I was going to stop. I was going to stop. The nah, I wasn't going to do that. I, wasn't, I was going to tie it. I was going to tie it all together. Nah, he did. He brought it all back around. <laughs> it all back together. He's so, talking about a complete so that's wide a, receiver. That's for y'all young wide receivers and wide receiver coaches out there. You got to, when they ask questions, you got to figure out ways to kind of tie it back to your answer. You know so I, I, I want to ask you this because this goes back to our time, like in Carolina, we would talk at the cafeteria table. Yeah. Where I always got a sense that you wanted to coach. We used to talk about offense and terminology yeah. and plays and yeah. Lane Kiffin and how you guys did it in the heyday and those things. What has the transition been like going from being a player on the field to now being a mentor and a leader in that wide receiver room? For me personally, on all the teams that I've played on, I've kind of always been in that role, per se, in the locker room, whether it was a, I don't say a player coach, but I've always helped guys out, whether it was high school, college, or NFL. I was always trying to like, for me, learning the playbook was never an issue, and I would learn all the spots. And then at that point, I would always try to help guys, you know, so... Um, Going into this role in a coaching manner, you know, with coach in front of my name, I've, I've done this for a long time. I've been doing it as a player. Um, but, you know, you still have to learn certain things as a coach. You got to learn how your players learn. Uh, they might learn different. Some are visual. Some could, you know, you can tell them something, they can do it on the spot. So uh, that's another thing that, that I've had to learn. I've had to learn, you know, through, through coaching through these years. And, but, you know, I'm enjoying it. It's the closest thing to playing. I always tell people that want to get into coaching, you know, when they tell you you're too old, you're too slow, you're not good enough, you know, this is the closest thing to playing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so that's why I'm sitting in this chair today. How is it different just player-wise? Go back to your day playing here on this campus to, to what you get now with young kids as they're coming up through the process. What's just overall difference, the difference between the, the kids that you played with versus right. the kids you're now coaching? Uh, well, I think social media, of course, is uh, probably the biggest thing that, you know, is the difference in what a lot of people talk about. Um, you know, the fact that you have so much access to these players, uh, you can see them on Instagram. They, they, they all have a following. Uh, back in the day, it was like, can you imagine if Leinert and Bush had Instagram? <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> but, you know, and I think it's crazy because, you know, when they were kind of at the end of their career, you know, there was a there's a network television show, and I don't want to say, but it's three letters. I don't know how, how that works, but, you know, they were kind of becoming popular. So yeah. you would see stuff or you would hear stuff with them on the website and stuff like that. But that was kind of like the closest thing you got. Yeah. But nowadays, I mean, you can just go to a person's Twitter page or Instagram, and they're going to tell you the whole story about them. So, you know, a lot of players need to know you got to be careful out there, you know, what you're doing and saying, saying and doing out there. But. Um, I don't know. I think uh, I think that's probably the biggest thing, um, and I'm actually glad I didn't grow up in this era because it's, just, it's <laughs> a lot of pressure. It, part of it is a distraction. Part of it is, a, is pressure. Um, you know, as opposed to just being focused on the work and and really focused on the team aspect and your in the brotherhood. You know, you you go into locker rooms nowadays. Everybody's just doing this with their yeah. with the phone and stuff, and as opposed to kind of interacting with one another. And, and that's the one thing that I would say that. You know, I think that they miss out on a little bit. Real quick, is there is there an instance? You obviously don't give us a name, but has there been somebody that you've been recruiting over the last couple of years when you come across something on social media where you say, ah, "I'm out." Yeah, there's there's some times where there's some red flags that you know that kind of pop up on social media, um, but you still want to you want to get the the big picture. You you still want to evaluate the talent of the player, maybe the person, and, and dig. You know what I mean? Because sometimes they're 16, 17, 18-year-old young men, and, and maybe they just don't know, or maybe, you know, is it a reflection of them 
as a whole or maybe it was just a bad decision, you know? So I try not to always just lump them in a category. If you see one bad thing, it's like, okay, he's a bad person. It's like, well, that's why we dig and we, 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 we interview coaches and counselors and, and teachers and, and everybody else, you know? So, um, but there are things that are red flags and that kind of put us on alert. You know, Kerry, and, and, and thinking about that, because in this time we talk about social media, so many guys are kind of fixated and obsessed with building their brand. Mm -hmm. But yet you're trying to build a championship team. No doubt. So when it comes to the culture, how do you get guys to kind of forsake some of the ego stuff mm -hmm. to really buy into doing something that's bigger than them? Well, that that starts at the top of the program, and, and, and that's the one thing in recruiting, that you, you want to make sure that you're recruiting the right person. You know, are you coming here – is USC a stepping stone to get to the next level? And we talk about the next level a lot, you know, because it's it's the history of our school. We've had 509 draft picks, and you know, which is the most in college football history. But um, you also want to win a national championship. And when you're on national championship teams, guys will get drafted and guys will play. And and uh, I think for 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 us as a staff, you know, we want to make sure we're bringing in the right people that are focused on the right thing which is the team first, and then all the other stuff will come after that. If we're going back and describing the teams you played on, mm -hmm. great teams, historically great teams, you know, what do those teams have that this current team you're coaching needs to get? Like, what, what, is, what is that gap right there? Well, you know, the one thing I would say is uh, we, we learned how to deal with adversity. Um, we pushed each other. We held each other accountable. Um, and I think those were really signs of, of us being a good team, and it, and it helped us be a good team. Um, and I think every team has – certain points of a year or a season where you might go through adversity, um, you might face some things, and, and how are you going to push through it? So, um, you know, it remains to be seen, of course, because we haven't played a game yet, but they're working hard now uh, in our weight room program or our strength program, sorry, with uh, Coach Aaron Osmus, and uh, that's the foundation of a great season. Obviously, it starts in the, in the strength and conditioning program. So I think uh, everybody's excited about how it's starting, and we just got to weather the storm. And there's going to be a point in that season where we just got to stay together and, 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 and fight on, like we say at USC. So, well, you know, it'll remain to be seen. You know, it's funny because I, I want to go back to that in a, in a different way, that same question. Because you've been on successful teams and you've seen what SC can be, mm -hmm. when you have a team that is coming off an unsuccessful season mm -hmm. and they want to get back to the standard, how do you pump that confidence back in them? Well, I think confidence is gained through repetition. So in practice, I mean, competing against another good player across from you. You know, iron sharpens iron. Coach Helton talks about that a lot. That's going to help us. You know, uh, we, have a, we have some very talented people on our team. Um, you know, and, and, and I think the goal for, for us individually and collectively as a unit is just to come out and work hard every day and understand that, um, you know, the work we put out on, on the practice field, um, it'll help us to when we get out there on Saturdays, you know what I'm saying, and, and executing on Saturdays and, and having that confidence, to, to just knowing that we had a tough year last year, of course, and that's not up to our standard. Um, but, you know, again, we, we have to learn from those mistakes in those instances and just continue to, to use it as fuel and motivation to, to move forward and have a great year. You spent a couple years there at Alabama and being around Coach Saban, having been around Coach Carroll, obviously there's a lot of differences between those guys. Mm -hmm. What do they have in common? Uh, just winning and, and um, you know, they're great coaches in, their, in, in two opposite sides of the spectrum as far as um, styles. But at the end of the day, it's all about c competition and it's all about competing and executing and being the best you you can be. You know what I'm saying? So 
the best Bucky, the best carry, and, and at the end of the day, you know, they're going to be held or I'm going to be held accountable for whatever my job is. And if I'm supposed to be at 12 yards on a route, I'm supposed to block the safety, I have to do that. And, and they're going to hold me accountable to that. And I think uh, that was the one thing I learned was that they held people accountable uh, to whatever their job responsibility was within the, the organization. And, uh, of course, they have a lot of great players, but – uh, I think it's really the accountability to to be great and to do the right things. Well, where'd you have the most fun at? Where'd you have the most fun? Which which program had both? Had you had, you had both? Had a lot of fun. Because <laughs> winning, because winning, winning is winning is fun. The fun is in the winning. So you know, you know, I was fortunate enough to to win a national championship here as a player in 2003 with Coach Carroll, and I was fortunate enough to win a national championship on the coaching side at Alabama in 2015. So. Um, I mean, they're, they're both they're both sweet. I'm, I'm curious about this one just because the perception being what it is, West Coast versus Southern football. Mm-hmm. You've got a chance to no get doubt. a little bit of both now. Right? So, so and I look, we, we both went to college in the South. <laughs> All right. I'm from the South. Talk I grew up on the West Coast. Okay. So we've got we've got dual citizenship is what you. I'm getting at. But you. the perception from the outside is everybody in SEC country thinks football out here is no soft. No is doubt. that is that the way it was down there? Uh, it's not soft on the West Coast. Let me just put that disclaimer. But, that, but the perception, perception down there is no, that it no is, doubt. right? And I think part of it is 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 the time zone, and they don't really watch a lot of the the games on the pack in the Pac-12 on the West Coast, but. Uh, it's a different animal, you know what I'm saying, out there. But, uh, again, you know, we played those teams, you know, when I was a player here at SC and, 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 and after. Uh, Auburn. Know, Auburn, Auburn, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we played other ones too, but, you know what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, like, SC is, is the top uh, of the pack or the West or whatever, mm-hmm. just over the time, over in history. So we can play in any conference at the end of the day. Um, when we're executing at a high level, we're going to get the best players in the country. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so we're confident in that. And, and obviously, we just got to continue to work to, to be at that level. Wow, we appreciate your time, man, uh, joining us here. It's like watching two old friends get together here. It's been enjoyable. There, we had some good conversations, man. Conversations. Back in the day, uh, this is my guy. I'm talking it. about at the lunchroom and all the time. So. Oh, that's fantastic, yes, man. We, we, dude, we wish you the best of luck this year. It's going to be fun to watch you as you continue on your coaching career as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Man, fascinating discussion with Kerry Coburn. And I'll say this. Like, I always knew Kerry wanted to be a coach. I, I, just having private conversations with him when we were together with the Carolina Panthers, I just kind of felt like he had it. You know, I felt like he had um, not only the intelligence but the overall perspective on what it took to be a really good coach and how to convey and pass on that information. And, look, I think the proof is in the pudding. He has worked for two talented coaches, obviously, Pete Carroll and Nick Saban. The guys that he's been around at the wide receiver position, being able to talk about Amari Cooper and then some of those young guys at Alabama. And now this next wave of USC wide receivers, he is going to have his hands on some guys that we talk about being stars in the league for the next five, ten years. And so that perspective that he brings, I think everyone should be able to understand why the guys that have been under his direction have played at a high level. Or haven't, haven't been in that room, haven't been in a wide receiver room. I'm curious about this. Having played the position as a position coach, at that position, at the wide receiver position, where personalities can be all over the yes. map, how important is it and is there a difference between a coach who actually played the position? Oh, I, I think so. I think a, a coach who has actually played the position kind of understands what you're dealing with when it comes to the mentality. Um, look, by nature, wide receivers can be selfish because it's a position where you can't impact the game 
unless you have the ball. You're dependent. It's a dependent yeah, so, position. So you're dependent upon the quarterback getting you the ball. You're dependent on the offensive play caller making sure that he keeps you in mind and make sure that you're a factor. And so sometimes those personalities can wander off, so you have to have the right guy who can kind of herd the cats, as I say, <laughs> bring them back, keep them in line, keep them challenged, and keep them focused. I think Kerry is able to do that because he has a lot of guys, a lot of alpha personalities in that room at SC. He's able to kind of get all those guys moving in the right direction. No doubt. All right, uh, great conversation with Kerry Colbert. Next up, it's the head man. It's Clay Helton, the coach. You can make a case, Buck, maybe under as much pressure as any coach in the country coming into this season. Oh, absolutely. He's under a tremendous amount of pressure. The standard is so high at SC from what they expect from their football team. This is a program that expects to contend for national championships on a very regular basis, and they haven't been able to do that. And so it's incumbent upon Clay Hutton to get this program to the next level, coming off a disappointing season where the offense didn't look good, defense lacked a little discipline, a lot of pressure on him to get them right. I think you're going to find a theme in this conversation, see if you can pick it out. Uh, but I think it'll be pretty evident, and you'll enjoy this conversation with USC head coach Clay Helton. All right, Buck, excited to be joined by our friend Coach Helton here. We get a chance to visit with you, Coach, uh, each and every year, but this time we, we, we've got you a little hobbled here. you got to give us a story. <laughs> well, it's hard getting old, I guess. <laughs> but no, I just got a little small partial tear uh, of uh, the Achilles that I'm getting over here for the next couple of weeks, and now I know what KD was going through and feel for him, mercy, and he had a full rupture. Mine's, mine's just that big. I, I'm, I'm not as tough as KD. Well, see, I fully committed. You know, you're not, I don't know if you're fully committed, just yeah. partially rupturing that yeah. thing. I did the whole thing, Buck. That's just, yeah, that's not, it. not fun. It's like a nightmare. <laughs> I, I won't know parts. Uh, no. How's everything going, though, th through the spring? It mm -hmm. seems like there's a there's just a, a great vibe and talking yeah. to everybody around campus as mm -hmm. we have so far today. Mm -hmm. There's a great energy about this program right now. Yeah, it's kind of a fresh start for us, you know, bringing in not only some new players, but also, you know, some new coaches to have a Graham Harrell here um, who really has brought a fresh energy and a new system uh, offensively for our kids that I think really fits our personnel. And, you know, to be able to watch it for 15 practices, five weeks over spring training and see that vibe and see that energy and see how much our kids believe not only in the system but in Graham, it was just so nice. Uh, it was a lot of fun, most fun I've had in 25 years, to be honest with you, uh, to see the ball being slung around and all skilled players getting a chance to touch it. And, and uh, it, it, was a, it was a great spring, and I have to give a lot of credit to Graham and what he got, got accomplished over, uh, over five weeks. Hey, Coach, when you're a leader of program, mm -hmm. how do you know when to hit the reset button? Mm -hmm. Like it's tough because you've been around a lot of guys, a lot of guys that you've coached with for a long time. How do you know when it's time to, you know, I need to hit the reset button yeah. to give our kids the best mm -hmm. chance to well, be successful? Well, you know, when I, basically what I had viewed, and this is going to be my 10th season at USC, and it's been, a, it's been an absolutely honor of my life to be here. To be able to see an offensive system that basically still had some of the same plays in it from 2001 when Coach Carroll was here um, and has has been a part of some brilliant coaches, Coach Kiffin, Coach Sarkeesian, um, Coach T. Martin. Um, and it got the playbook had gotten so big and so ver much verbiage that I really thought some of our players were getting mentally handcuffed. And I wanted our young kids, we're, we're a younger football team, really talented football team, but a younger football team. And I, I thought a simpler system, um, the opportunity to take advantage of the personnel we had, um, brought in Cliff at, at, at first, Cliff Kingsbury, uh, 
kind of showed my hand the direction we were going. Um, and then Cliff gets an amazing opportunity at Arizona to be able to get Graham in, in here and, and run a very similar style system, very similar philosophy. Um, it really has jump-started uh, us as a football team. Uh, and uh, so it, it's been nice to see. It's been a lot of fun to have. But, you know, you have to do what you feel is best in the moment for your football team. And, and when we got done with that season, I felt like we needed a fresh start. It's interesting the way you kind of phrase it about um, the offense building on top of each other mm-hmm. year after year. You look at mm-hmm. the NFL level, it's an advantage when you're looking at Tom Brady and mm-hmm. Josh McDaniels mm-hmm. and Bill Belichick being mm-hmm. together. But at the college level, you're having to cycle in new <laughs> players every three, four, five years. So that's got to be a major mm-hmm. difference. And you're talking about coaching at the NFL level versus oh, yeah. coaching at the college level. Yeah, we don't have long. I mean, you look at us, and I've been fortunate enough to be here for 10 years, and you have the Juju Smith-Schusters and the Dory Jacksons, um, the Nelson Aguilars, the Robert Woods, and they were all here just five semesters. They were here two and a half years and then moved on to the NFL. So when you when they come in, these kids are able to play and able to play quickly. And to be able to give them an offense that they can come in, learn it quickly, and get on the field as freshman, I think that's advantageous. I mean, to go from the old West Coast Pro Tiles system that was, you know, I write Z short, A42 time, Y shallow X in, to now all of a sudden it's cross. I mean, it's a, so it, it provides, a, you know, I've always thought confusion creates hesitation in young players, and hesitations, you know, one gets you beat, but probably gets you hurt. So if you can eliminate that confusion from players, allow them just to play fast, um, you're going to have the best team you can possibly have. You know, and thinking about that, because it is a program shift, but Mm -hmm. it's kind of the landscape of football Mm -hmm. now. Now more than ever, we're seeing these five-star recruits come in and get right on the field. Mm -hmm. Um, How has that changed the way you Mm -hmm. view playing freshmen Mm -hmm. because of the recruiting and having to kind of stockpile when you have so Mm -hmm. many guys that are able to leave early Mm -hmm. to go to the pros? Yeah, you know, we're very fortunate here in the young men that we bring. They're all very talented, but they're also – I appreciate them because they're so competitive. They're they're willing to compete. They welcome competition. I mean, I remember a Dory Jackson would not take a rep unless Juju Smith-Schuster was right across from him. You know, and and that's what you want on a football team is to have kids that want to come in – want to compete, uh, know that, yes, I'm going to fail sometimes, but those failures I'm going to learn from going against the best of the best on a daily basis. And that's what you get here at USC. That's why you come to USC. You're going to get to sharpen your sword. A good man sharpens a good man. And uh, to be able to have an Adoree Jackson across from a Juju Smith-Schuster and and you really become the best version of yourself as a player and as a competitor, that's why you come to SC. One of the things I was reading about during the offseason is you've kind of taken a step back and mm-hmm. be able to evaluate. I believe he's used the word discipline over mm-hmm. and over again. You've mm-hmm. had officials out here a bunch mm-hmm. during the spring. Mm-hmm. Um, how has that benefited you mm-hmm. from just by being able to just step back a little bit and see everything yeah. as it's going on? Well, I've always thought in a leadership position when you have a great season or, or you're in a business and you have a great year in business, that you give all the accolades uh, you know, to the people around you. Um, and then you know, when you don't have a great season, you need to own it and you need to force yourself to reevaluate not only yourself, but what is going on uh, in in your organization. And, you know, when I looked at it, you you win a Rose Bowl like we did two years ago. You win a Pac-12 title the next year, and then you have a dip. You have to look at it and say, okay, what happened? And for me, it was really the discipline of the game, you know, with penalties. It was turning the the ball over, and it it was a lack of fundamentals and technique. When you watch the tape, it was just evident. And, you know, we lost four games down the stretch by seven points or less. And when I looked at it, I truly believe we beat ourselves. I felt like we had enough talent on the field to compete with anybody we were playing against and hadn't put ourselves in chance to win. And we beat ourselves with penalties, turnovers, and, a, and lack of fundamentals. And that's my job. 
as a head coach, and you got to look yourself in the mirror. How do you so, fix that? I mean, those are those are. How do you go about solving yeah. that? So what we did in spring, um, we obviously you mentioned one. I, I really felt that it was important to bring referees to every practice and give real time information to our players and take the time to explain, hey, this is why you got that penalty. Have the referee understand, explain it to them. Hey, your hand placement was in a in, in a poor position. Your feet were not in the proper proper space, so you ended up holding the guy. Um, you know, and then. The, the biggest thing that gets you sometimes, especially with 18 to 21-year-olds, is decision-making penalties, as them getting over-emotional. And as emotion goes up, intelligence usually <laughs> goes down, um, is learning that that decision that you made just hurt your whole team. So, you know, it, what we did is every time a flag was thrown, a kid would come out, he'd get his up-downs, then he'd go and learn what he did wrong and, and fix it. And if he made a decision-making penalty, we just stopped the entire practice and up-down as an entire team. So everybody understood, hey, you make that decision it's a one fail all fail um, from a turnover standpoint not only did we work on that in individual more we took the time to explain and kind of educate uh, the opportunities are out there when you see the ball loose as a defensive player but also what causes turnovers and you know we force that on the kids is after practice that you may not have turned it over but we saw it loose so you got a little bit extra after practice so guys got more in habitual muscle memory and I think it really helped us to make that the point of emphasis you get what you coach, and uh, you know we really hope that will be the difference between last year and what we hope is a very successful 2019 season. So, Coach, in, th in thinking about that and thinking about where USC has been when mm -hmm. they've been at the pinnacle, mm -hmm. um, when you have a dip, how do you rebuild that confidence? You talked mm -hmm. about some of the on-field things that mm -hmm. you've done, but how do you rebuild the confidence in the kids and maybe even yeah. as a coach yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you know, I think it starts right now with the, the summer the summer program. And, um, you, you know, we lost a good man in Ivan Lewis as a strength and conditioning coach who went to the Seattle uh, and was so fortunate to get Aaron Osmus and his staff. You know, Aaron's been a part of two SEC programs. He's been at USC twice. He's ran this program before. And I had the opportunity to work with him and see him uh, firsthand and what he is doing with our kids and, and the and what he is doing from the mentality of our kids right now, I think is uniquely special. Uh, you know, he is bonding those kids, even on off days. I, I'm seeing 80 kids come in on their off day, you know, and, and having the opportunity to to continue to work and get better. So um, I, I think that that summer work that you have is a huge part of it. I credit Aaron for what he's doing right now. Yeah, double A, get those guys. Uh, a lot of powerlifting, man. He <laughs> does not mess around. They push weight down I, there. I can promise you this. They're going to be strong and they're going to weigh a lot. No. <laughs> they're they're going to be big. No question. Mm -hmm. Look, come, being the head coach, you mentioned it, the best mm -hmm. time of your life is mm -hmm. your time here mm -hmm. at USC. What's your favorite part about being the head coach at USC? Um, I, I think the players. Uh, I've always believed this game is about relationships. And, um, you know, when you get to wake up, I, I, don't, I don't got to do this job. I get to do it. And that's the way I've always looked. I wake up with a smile on my face. Um, I, I, there's never a bad day. When you get to walk in here and you get to work with the likes of Michael Pittman and Amon Amon Ross St. Brown and John Houston and Jay Tufeli and those type of guys and you get to raise a young man from an 18 year old to a 21 year old professional not only on the field but off man what a what a job you know you, we get to do this we get to be educators so um, for me it's always been an honor to do it's something that I have a blast doing and to do it at what I feel is the pinnacle of college football with the most highest level elite athlete you can deal with um, it's it's what every coach aspires to be you know coach I, I want to talk a little bit about culture mm -hmm. um, this is a place that has a fantastic mm -hmm. tradition you obviously know it 
How do you build your mm-hmm. own culture while still kind of staying to the standards and traditions that mm-hmm. have really made SE a decorated program? Yeah, I, I think one that everybody has to welcome the expectations of what SC is. Uh, SC is about playing at the highest level and winning at the highest level. Uh, I think when you come here, you do not fear competition because you know it's going to be around you on a daily basis, and that's real life. That's a part of the culture. It's also a part, a part of setting a standard. You know, this place is a 125-year tradition of excellence uh, on and off the field. And, you know, we set a standard for ourselves that it doesn't matter what we're doing. Uh, it, you, you perform at the highest level and you give your absolute best effort. It doesn't matter whether it's academics. It doesn't matter whether it's on the field, whether it's our social life or spiritual life. It's that standard that Trojans meet up to. Um, I think that's a huge part in them knowing the expectations of when you walk in here because it's like you're choosing your way of life. It's like a Marine when he steps on the feet and, and gives his oath. You're choosing this way of life when you come to USC. I want to ask you about being the son of a coach. Yeah. Obviously, your father, very mm-hmm. successful coach, longtime coach. You hired Graham Harrell as yeah. a son of a coach. Mm-hmm. In scouting, we're always looking at players, especially the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. You find a guy as a son of a coach that carries a little mm-hmm. more weight in the room. What is it about being the son of a coach that makes you a good coach? Well, I, I think that you learn the lessons of what it, how important it is uh, to develop relationships. That's what my dad taught me. Uh, he's, he, the first thing he always taught me about, son, you, uh, great coaches gain the trust of their players. Uh, and you know, and, and they have to trust your character. They have to trust that that you have you're competent and knowledge to make them better. You, they have to trust that you care, and they have to trust that you're going to be brutally honest with them. That you're not going to kiss their butts. You 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 got is that the hard, is that the hardest part the, of it? Without question, yeah. it's the hardest part to look a, a young man in the eye and and tell him, hey, you can do this better. And I'm telling this is because I love you and I want you to be the best you can be. Um, but I think that's the biggest thing my dad taught me is this is not a business, especially in college. This is about building relationships, educating young men, and being truthful, honest, and, and, and caring for them, love them, coach them hard, and love them hard is what my dad always taught me. You know, Coach, you come obviously from an offensive background. You've ascended to the role of being the head coach. Mm-hmm. How is it to manage the entire team? Mm-hmm. as opposed to just kind of casting your eyes on the offense after mm-hmm. growing up and kind of that being your baby for so long. Yeah, you, you know, probably I, I always wondered why, uh, you know, you go assistant coach in 20 years of being an assistant coach and you ask yourself, gosh almighty, when was my time? When's, when's going to be my time? And the good Lord was watching after. He knew I needed 20 years <laughs> of experience, especially for this job. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the thing that you end up learning that it's not just about the offense, defense, and special teams, it's one combined group. And um, when I took the job, having known several, I've been around some great, great coaches and took the advice of great coaches, including my dad. And they also told me the same thing. Hey, you're going to – I know you love game planning. I know you love the offensive side of the ball, but it's about everybody. And it's about seeing the personnel defensively, seeing the personnel offensively, helping out in special teams, you know, putting your mark on each and every one, uh, your philosophy and what you believe in on each and every one, uh, each and every phase. So it is hard. It's one of the things that I have to stay disciplined in. It was not easy when I first took the job, um, but uh, but I've learned that uh, my my role, and everybody has a certain role, is the management of the entire 
entire team, not just the management of the offense, but the entire team. How is the uh, the head coaching fraternity at the college level? We, mm -hmm. we see it uh, at the NFL level. Mm -hmm. You guys are visiting with each other mm -hmm. in the offseason. Do you have a sounding board? Are there a couple guys that you've got uh, relationships <laughs> with that you can kind of bounce, hey, this is what I'm dealing with right now. What yeah. do you got going on? Yeah, I've always believed that uh, coaching is a brotherhood and fraternity. That's what my dad taught me. Um, you know, and, and we do. I mean, uh, the better coaches that I've been around, um, we've been able to lean on each other. Uh, I've never been in this situation. Have you? Yes. Tell me about it. You know, and, and even in our own league, even against competitors, uh, I'm going to tell you um, well, a man that I look up to a lot and consider a friend, David Shaw, is is one of those guys that you can ask him his opinion. He's going to give it to you. Kyle Whittingham, Rush Peterson, the, the, the guys in this league, in the Pac-12, man, are outstanding coaches. And, and it's okay to ask advice and, and be able to bounce some ideas off off each other. That's that's who we are. It's a brotherhood. It's a fraternity, and and uh, we all make each other better. You know, the thing about making each other better, a lot of times when we think about college football, the SEC is always kind of mentioned as the land, the, the pillar and we're where you want to go. So when you're looking at the Pac-12 and you're mm -hmm. looking at some of the changes, mm -hmm. what are some of the differences in terms of competing in the Pac-12 as mm -hmm. opposed to competing in the SEC? Well, I, I think one, you know, when you look at us, I think competitively from top to bottom, the thing that I've noticed about this league is is how talented each and every team is, how competitive each and every team is, that if you don't bring your A game uh, against anybody in this league, you're going to get beat. And, and you look at it year in and year out, there's nine, ten bowl-eligible teams in, in this league. Um, and, you know, and then the second thing that, that looks up, you look at this league and you see the skill players in this league, uh, there's some ridiculous, ridiculous <laughs> quarterbacks, quarterbacks yeah. wideouts, yeah. just skilled players, I, I think are unique and special. You know, it, there's several great conferences um, throughout the country, uh, and I feel like the Pac-12 is one of those conferences and really I, I think is gonna is on an upward trend um, to, to be considered as one of the best in the world. You know, now, truthfully, do we need to go out and, and win games nationally in the national spotlight? Yes. We, we need to do that. That gains you respect is doing it on the field. And I feel like that's the next step for, for us. Definitely the coaching, the coaches that are in this league, um, the respect that I have them, I think the nation has for them, the players that are in this league, this league can win a national championship. And I think it's on the forefront of doing that. Last question, Coach. You've been very generous with your time. We mm -hmm. appreciate it today. Uh, if you just give us, you don't have to give us the whole speech, just a, a sneak peek. Mm -hmm. When the team comes back together, everybody gets their vacation. Hopefully you get some sun. Mm -hmm. We get you moving around a little bit mm -hmm. better here on the yeah. leg and then everybody gets back in the building what's your message to this group as you embark on this upcoming season that it's about us it's not about the opponent it's about us and us playing our game and setting our standard and living up to that standard and being able to separate ourselves from our opponent um, we definitely have the talent in the room uh, we have the discipline that has been taken over uh, over the off season. Now it's time to go do it uh, in training camp and throughout a 12-week season and beyond. Um, so a, my message to our team is don't be concerned about any outside factor. Let's keep it right here in the building. Let's do our job. Let's set our standard, and let's live up to that standard on a consistent daily basis. I think we're ready to run through the tunnel. <laughs> yeah, let's go do it. I appreciate your time, Coach. Thank All you. All righty. Thank you, guys. Take care. Hi, right, Buck. You know, listening to Clay, and I, I hinted at it when we threw to this interview of trying to find a theme. And look, visiting with people uh, on the mic and off the mic around campus, I, I just keep hearing it over and over again. 
Simple and fast, simple and fast, yes. simple and fast. That is what you're looking for for this USC team. Let's make this very easy to understand for everybody involved. We've got athletes. Let's cut them loose and let them play. Yeah, that's the thing. When you have more talent than your opposition, you don't need to complicate it. You don't have to trick them. You don't have to play trick them football. You just line up and you overwhelm them with your athleticism. And I think in our conversation with Clay, he talked about maybe some of the verbiage and some of the things that they're doing. Slow their guys down. Well, now, unleash those athletes. Let those guys be dominant playmakers. The guys that we saw earn five stars in the recruiting uh, rankings coming out of high school. Allow those guys to be five-star players on the field. Well, this has been a fun episode. Uh, again, college football season right around the corner. NFL football is here. Training camps are cranked up. Uh, preseason is, is really starting to take hold, Buck. Excited to see all these NFL players. So we're kind of splitting our time a little bit, taking a dip on our toe in the yep. college water a little bit, also uh, focusing on the NFL. And if, if you haven't checked it out, our, our prototype series, nfl.com slash MTS prototype. Why don't you explain to folks what those series, uh, what that series is about? So prototypes, like we have been able to like look at all of the positions, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line, edge rushers. And then we're going to talk about cornerbacks as well. Being able to really dig inside, find out, what are the prototypical traits that you need to be a star at that position so we can educate ourselves and the listeners so when they're looking at the game, they understand the difference between an A-level player and someone that is just an average player that is able to make some plays on occasion. Wow, it's it's a really a fun series. We've learned a lot going through it, and hopefully you have uh, as well. All right, that's going to do it for us. He's Bucky Brooks. I'm Daniel Jeremiah. Thanks for listening to Move the Sticks, presented by New Era. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually 
in person and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.